Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Acts chapter 17. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went to the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and providing that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jewish were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jewish were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men, who have caused trouble all over the world, have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berea Jewish were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jewish in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent to Paul to the coast but Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jewish and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, He seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worships, I even found an altar with inscriptions to an unknown god. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. 
The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and we have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image ba made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he, he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about this resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. This was the throbbing heart of Paul's appeal to the world. There is another king, one called Jesus. Move over Caesar or any other human ruler. The God who came in Jesus Christ wants to be king. This sounded strange to people. Some sneered, some searched it up, some rioted against it. But for a growing number under Roman rule, it was a glorious invasion. The news that the good and kind creator had come as Jesus and wanted to sit as the sustaining centre of their lives was lusciously liberating. Caesar was not a great centre of anyone's life. Caesar's modus operandi pushed people into a way of being that was inhibited and dehumanising. In Athens, they knew this, but they only medicated their madness through sacrifices to idols. They knew there must be an unknown God out there somewhere, but they simply lit a few candles and carried on as they were. Paul is greatly distressed by this. It must have been like a great chef seeing people grow sick of fast food, but only swapping their brand of ketchup. Paul had tasted the bounty of having Jesus as a nourishing centre of his life, and so he desperately wanted all people to come and join his party. This man's mission around the Mediterranean was not just to see many become Christians, but to change their king. Paul wanted people to move their meal, where they got nourishment, where they looked to for hope, for their future and for their guidance for the present. He wanted them to move their meal from the modus operandi of men to the Messiah of God, which lands it on us. Would Paul be distressed? If he took a tour around our hearts, would he see that the Prince of Peace is our portion, that Jesus sustains and directs 
and reigns in the darkest caverns of our soul? Are we feeding on the hopes and truths of Jesus Christ? Or are we living life much like everyone else while lighting a candle to the Christian God? The good and kind creator wants to be the sole centre of your life. Saying yes to that desire is what it really means to believe. Question for reflection. From where do you get your nourishment, your inspiration, your guidance about how to do various things in life? Who is your king? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.